When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Never, who would be yes. the Italian American Sesame Street? Mr. Hooper, we got a million Mr. Hoopers. Yeah, well, Ernie Rossi's Mr. Hooper. <laughs> Ernie Rossi. <laughs> yeah, but every Italian name, anybody knows, like, hey, I'm the shoemaker. We got to go eat. I gotta, I'm the shoemaker. I'm the Mr. Hooper. I got to moderate <laughs> you, Mr. Hooper. <laughs> I got to moderate. Who would be uh, <laughs> the Italian Big Bird? I got to cut this. <laughs> Bill, <don't> Bill de Blasio's <laughs> Italian Big Bird. <laughs> Oh, okay. Let me uh, go. Let me go back. You mentioned neighborhood. You talk about being in if our we neighborhood. Drank. This is so what we oh, just sold. This is this is Christmas Eve. I would be asleep. Then. If I was drunk, I'd be asleep. That's true. See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. Happy Labor Day from all of us here. I'm your host, John Viola, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Pat O'Boyle. We're coming to you from Lodi, New Jersey. The former dye capital of the free world. What is it? The former what? I think it used to be the dye cap. They used to make dye, like clothing dye. That I dye think. Cap. All I right. think. Well, we are uh, celebrating Labor Day weekend. At one time, it had the highest proportion of Sicilians outside of Sicily. Get out of here. Yes. Really? The two major places, Marineo and Bolognese in England. You know, I have a, uh, a sign in my collection from the Lodi Italian American Club. i got to dig Lodi that Lodi was 100% S- – Lodi was Sicilian. Wow. The very, very first people in Lodi were from Avellino. That's why the church was called Mount Virgin, from Monte Virgin and Avellino. And then Bolognese and Marineo came in force. What is it today? Uh, it's demographically changed. Like yeah. everywhere – is anywhere that – anything yeah, anymore? really, no. Um, Staten Island's probably about it. Yeah, but Staten Island is Staten Island is a is a migration from Brooklyn. Yeah, other migration. So it's a second step. Yes. Lodi has a really fascinating history. Lodi had a lot more diversity in its early immigration from Italy, but then the just Sicilians came out in force. Garfield Lodi just had a huge Sicilian population. So why don't you tell the audience why we're here, particularly on Labor because Day? Because there are Sicilians and Lodi who celebrate Saint Joseph every Labor Day. And why St. Joseph? Because many of us know St. Joseph Day, March 19th. One thing one thing you have to remember is Italy, there's never just one feast. That's true. Right? That's like St. Nicholas. Sure. And that's a fantastic reading because St. Nicholas's calendar feast is December 6th. But the big feast in body, I think, is May 8th? May 9th. 
but it's also the feast of the transfer of the relics. Right. So in the old, old days, the big feasts were the um, Dies Natales, which was the date of birth, which was really the date of death because he was born into eternal life. Mm. And usually the day that they died, if they were martyred, was the day they were born anyway. And the secondary feast was usually the finding of the relics, the transfer of the relics, or the consecration of the first church that was named after them. Wow. So that's why St. Michael the Archangel, September 29th, because it's the anniversary of a, of a dedication of um, some church somewhere, maybe it's in Rome, that was to St. Michael the Archangel. And December 26th is the Feast of St. Stephen, because that was the date of the transfer of his relics in Constantinople. Okay, so with I know that I didn't answer. I know no, that's but uh, I mean, it's me being it, you know. no. It's this is important context because you know St. Joseph's Day, obviously March nineteenth, big holiday. We've done a whole episode on it. My time in New Orleans, we'll be back down there for the fiftieth this year. But today, when this episode is released, is Monday, September second, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Do you have any of the history? Th- this on that? is this, this is interesting history. This is interesting history. Um, May first. On the old calendar was Philip and James. His name's Philip and James. Pius the twelfth in nineteen fifty, Pope Pius the twelfth, came up with a feast called Saint Joseph the Worker and stuck Saint Joseph the Worker on May first as a Catholic um, alternative to May Day and a communist celebration. And the idea was that the Saint Joseph the Worker feast would be celebrated in countries on whatever day they recognize labor. So for the U.S. and Canada, that would be Labor Day. That would be this Monday. That never really caught on here because we never had the political idealization yeah. of organized labor with communism here. So we didn't, we didn't need a counteraction to Labor Day. So really, if you take the original intent, St. Joseph the Worker on the Catholic calendar should not be celebrated on May 1st in the U.S., should be celebrated on Labor Day. You know, this is kind of an interesting story. It the, is, Sicilians yeah. come in, the Sicilians come in on this one. So the St. Joseph's Day, the Zapula Day that we all know, is I guess it's April if you're up uh, of the northeast, right? Yeah. The Campania roots. It's Svingy if it's you're It's and it's a lot of other stuff yeah. if you're in the, in the Sicilian belt. <laughs> but um, that's March 19th, which is kind of you know that came very late to the Roman calendar. Really? Yeah. Saint Joseph was not on early on. Saint Joseph, the real promoter of Saint Joseph, was Saint Teresa of Avila. Really? Who was in the 1600s? Uh, 16th century, 15th? No, this Teresa of Avila's in the 15th. She had contemporary John of the Cross. Yeah. They reformed the Carmelites. Yeah. And, of course, the south of Italy was connected with Spain, part of the Spanish Empire. So that's why there was a lot of cross ties. So St. Joseph took off in the south of Italy, a big part of it, because Teresa of Avila, who really kind of was a dynamo of her time that kind of uh, reformed the Carmelites, she spread devotion to St. Joseph in Spain, and that trickled over to the south of Italy because we were one big happy country. Yeah. Before the, the two Sicilies broke off and they were independent. We were a vice royalty of the yeah, Spanish government. Exactly, yeah. So that's, that's how St. Joseph became big in the south of Italy. Hmm. But my grandmother's mother's side comes with Piano di Sorrento. March 19th was the feast of the Sorrentine martyrs. Really? We had martyrs, I think, under Nero, St. Bacchus. That's amazing. And his companions, which I think might have been his family. And their feast, there was traditionally March 19th. Does St. Does Joseph's Day... So to subsume that Saint now Joseph's no? Day overrode yeah. San Bacalo. <laughs> we should revive that movement. We should revive it's that movement. But it just thing. shows that like our history is long and it's deep, it's yeah. flowing and it's changing. And if I mean that's why I wanted to talk about this stuff today because once again, you know, we talked about maybe this is a great time to take a week off. It's Labor Day weekend. Everybody's 
got their plans, but I started looking at sort of the history of Labor Day, and Labor Day in this country really was sort of created as an alternative to the socialist May Day, uh, you know, a, a sort of capitalist appreciation of labor, right? Labor Day in the United States was set aside in about 1885 to 1887 as a holiday by the Central Labor Union and a group called the Knights of Labor. But it, again, sort of like the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker was really done to create a day that was not antagonistic. Uh, it's so it's such Amer- it's so America. Like one thing, just to clarify, something that's that's very particular to the United States is that European labor movements were I demand my rights because I will be exploited by the management management. But I think a big part, and I've heard other people say it, it, a big part of the American mentality is I'm going to be exploited by management, but my kid's going to be the manager one day. Yeah. Because America is the land of upward mobility. What people don't understand is what defined this country, what opportunity meant to a European immigrant was upward mobility. Yeah. Because in Europe, you, Europe, if you were born a peasant, you were going to die a peasant. Sure. Barring some miraculous intervention and life change, you were going to die a peasant. The American, be it the coal miner out in, in Scranton or the railroad worker in Jersey City or, or any other person in the factory worker in, in Providence, yes, I'm going to have a horrible life. I might die a black lung. But these little kids that are running around, they can be something in this country. That's what defines us as different. That's why like, one of my favorite movies is Reds. Have you ever seen Reds? No. I, I, know it is your, I, thought, I think it is your favorite movie, right? I went to go see this five years. I was a sick it's child. It's like a six-hour movie? Yeah, my mother took – I was like five <laughs> years old. I want to go see Reds. And my mother's sitting there like, what is this about? What's going on? They had like an intermission and others. Well, but Reds um, – if you haven't seen Reds, you should see Reds. I, I can't imagine it's – Replayed in many movie theaters, right? I mean, oh, like go rent it. Go online. Yeah. I mean, because the greatest part about Reds is that they went back and interviewed in the 1970s people who had been involved with um, the organization of American labor or the, the conflicts of American organized labor and, the, and World War I and, and the Bolshevik Revolution in, in the 19-teens. They went back in the 70s and filmed these people. And some of them were like 100. Like wow. Some of them were like in their 80s. I mean, some of them born like 1884, 1890, wow. they're all World War I vets. So they, they're interviewing these people, and, and they're kind of intercut. That's why I, that's, that's the love affair with Reds. Yeah, it's so part documentary. It's, a, it's almost like, a, it's a, yeah, it's kind of like it was like Ken Burns before yeah. Ken Burns was out yeah. there, you know. But the reason I bring it up is that we didn't have the, con- we had conflict here, ap- and there's no question sure. about it. Right? And we're going to talk about some of that today. Sure, and we're trying to make it easy, but I still feel, and I'm sure that, th- remember, I, I don't have the expertise, I don't have the, the litany of degrees that probably gives me the, Conscious of to, to say this, but I still feel in the, Amer- in the United States it was with the capacity of upward mobility. So maybe um, you were a dirt farmer. I don't know if that's a pejorative term today, but if you're, the poorest, thing, yeah. if you're the poorest of the poor in some European country, because that's where 90% of immigrants came at that time, and you come during the Great Migration, maybe somebody from your town makes it big because yeah. they buy a store or you know they, they become a patron. Somehow they make it big. There's a, there's a sense of hope. That's the undercurrent of upward mobility in the United States. The immigrant experience here didn't have the clash with organized labor because where mainline Protestantism, especially in the South, um, saw organized labor as kind of a Catholic invading worldview, part of that was because Pope Leo XIII supported workers' right to organize which was very kind of progressive sure, and imagine, revolutionary yeah. at the time. 
2013 really, when it came to like social policy, was like really ahead of his time yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, Leo the Thirteenth comes out and strongly supports the capacity to organize labor, and he kind of, I guess, slaps wrist slaps some of the American bishops who were against it. Because remember, the American bishops were constantly concerned about what WASP America is going to think. Sure, about, yeah, right. That's constantly there. So once the Pope comes out and kind of says, you know, it's fine. You guys have the right to organize and organize labor unions. It takes away the tension that labor is opposed to the church because the church was the, you know, and like I said this sometimes, when you listen, like when we discuss this stuff, whatever you feel religiously, if you're religious or lack, or, or, you're, or you're not religious, or you're Catholic, or you're not Catholic, it's history. It's it's, yeah. it's part of our experience, and yeah. you can't remove it. It was it was the state religion of the two Sicilies where eighty five percent of us came from. It was the state religion to one extent to the other, and the other fifteen percent, and the papal states. It was the, it was the yeah. state. So it's very much who we are. So when the church didn't have a conflict with organized labor. It allowed Italian Americans to agitate for workers' rights and be Catholics. Yeah. If Leo the Thirteenth had not come out so strongly in support of organized labor, I wonder what would have happened. Because then you would have said, "I have to choose being a knight of labor or being a good Catholic." Yeah, and I think about it too. Like, and what we want to accomplish today is really just a very, very general. It gets back to Sicilian, St. Joseph, and Lodi. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't lose us on this but one. But really, it's, about, it's about the Italian-American. <laughs> they, no, really, they have really just like a lot of yummy stuff in <laughs> I'm Lodi. looking forward to it. Can I do a Lodi food tour? Yeah, why not? Well, I would love Vita to. Vita and son. We don't have a, you know the oh, coupons? Uh, like a, like a coupon uh, password. Code. Yeah, coupon, coupon code. Coupon code. Yeah. So for Rachel and the and the matchmaking, it's on my shot. Yeah. We need one for the for the cake in Lodi. Yeah, we need one. We gotta get permission first. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be terrible? We should give you yeah, just uh, and just give you a coupon code with no Floyd coupon. Style. Yeah, and just walk in and say <laughs> this is a, the Italian American podcast. <laughs> this me. They're gonna say, "Who the hell's that? Who are these people?" Uh, we're gonna get to the feast, and the whole point of coming together today was to say, "Okay, it's Labor Day. Our job is to be like truffle hounds and look for the Italian and everything." And when you just scratch the and surface, there is Italian and everything. There's a, yeah, and there's Italian and everything. Definitely, we are everywhere. And when you scratch the surface in organized labor and what it means to this country, there's, first of all, some serious historical episodes that we're just going to touch on. And hopefully, if we share this stuff and you're interested, you write us. You know, we could definitely do deeper dive episodes into these very, very important episodes in the Italian-American and just American experience. But also the idea that this group has refounded this feast, the idea of St. Joseph the Worker, what the saints mean. And then really also think about how many... Of our families, you know, we talk about this a lot, right? These issues that come up around organized labor today in a in a post-industrial country. I mean, so many people that are in service-based businesses or in finance, but you scratch a little and you find organized labor at the heart of many of our family experiences. I mean, I know my grandfather was a union truck driver. You talk all the time about being uh, a, a unionized professor and what that means. You know, this is an important part of our story. And there's so many tiny Americans that have been at the head of so many of the biggest unions in the country. And I, I look at the founding of NIAF. You know, NIAF was founded with support from labor unions. Uh, that was a pool of fundraising that really helped that organization get off the ground. And the first, you know, 10 galas were supported by a lot of individuals, but also by a lot of unions. I mean, this is a big part of who we are as a story. You know, this this history between organized labor with a socialist communist bent, organized labor with uh, a Catholic bent, so much of it relates to our experience because, you know, we came here primarily in a time where the nation was moving from a 
from an agricultural economy to an industrial economy, the wave of Europeans coming to this country to fill those roles for unskilled laborers. And obviously our people were caught up in that wave. But I was thinking about a couple of instances that I've learned about over time. And really, they kind of come right on the heels of one another. Do you, have you heard about the Triangle Waist Shirt Factory? Of course. That's such a... The Triangle Shirt Waist Factory. 100%. Fire. That's so... That's... You think about, like, what that meant. So you're, you're It's so important in American history, but it's exactly. particularly important in New York history. Yes. And, and, and really Italian-American history, too. Sure, Italian-American history. Uh, even for Jews. There was a lot of Jews yeah, who were killed yeah. in so that fire. For those of you who aren't aware of the history of it, March 25th, 1911, in New York City... It's one of the deadliest fires in the United States history, and 146 garment workers, mo- mostly young women and girls, who died in this fire, and the majority of them were recent Italian and Jewish immigrants. I think they, the age range was like 14 to 43, and uh, on the 8th, ninth, and 10th floors of their factory, in the building that's still there, actually, in Greenwich Village, you can still go see the building, um, they were working at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, and they were building shirtwaists, which, frankly, I don't even know what those are. I guess they were a, a post-Victorian article of clothing. But somehow, some people think it was arson to get rid of the stock of an item that was decreasing in popularity. Some people think it might have been a worker sneaking a cigarette that caught into the um, scraps of material that had piled up underneath all of these machines. Some say it might have been a machine overheating. I guess the consensus is it, it must have been a cigarette. But the eighth floor caught on fire, and unfortunately, the foreman of the factory had a policy of locking the workers in to avoid them taking unwanted breaks or potentially stealing merchandise. So they were locked in here and really had no escape route. And uh, I think 60-something of them had to jump off out of the building of course, they didn't survive. There was uh, absolutely horrible. Oh, horrific! I mean, but the descriptions of it. We're gonna we're gonna have to do an episode on it because um, it really is a, a major moment in American history. But again, it it led to a lot of public awareness on safety standards for workers. Um, the International Ladies Garment Workers Union was really kind of born out of it, or or really expanded quickly out of it. It, it changed so much about working conditions in the entirety of the country and obviously here in in and around New York. And uh, it was a a moment for our people and their experience that that meant a great deal. And then I was thinking about like 1912, right? A year later, you have the Lawrence textile strike, which was led by immigrant workers in Lawrence, Massachusetts. I guess there was like a a two-hour cut to the working day for women and the workers in this factory went on strike and you had 40 different nationalities throughout this factory, striking for two months. I don't think American kids have any clue how much these things were part of our history yeah, and the effect it had yeah. on working conditions today. And, and, and to Things th- like having an exit sign oh my gosh. in a building. Anything. I mean, how many people had to die in the yeah. Triangle Fire for that to, you know. I mean, I think about Lawrence, right? One of the strikers, a lady named Anna Lopizzo, was killed by the police during the protest. And the strike organizers from the industrial workers of the world, one gentleman named Joseph Ettore and another named Arturo Giovanetti, they were framed and arrested on charges of murder. I mean, think about that today. We have this great long Italian-American uh, story. And even, you know, we, we tried to do our sort of four-part, very, very high-altitude approach. We, we didn't talk about this, and we're going to talk about it on an episode um, 
in and of itself because it's such an important episode. But imagine how much that means to the country we are today, the idea that you can strike, the, what, what that's done to our country. And, and I myself, whether or not I have any direct sort of relation to it, I, I just feel this pride that, that Italian-Americans were an active part of that movement. And some of these names sit at the forefront of accomplishing so much for, for the labor movement in this country. So I, I wanted to just sort of touch on them to pique people's interest and share that it's out there. I, I highly encourage everybody to do more research. There's plenty other episodes like this in the Italian-American story, and we will definitely dedicate ourselves to doing some episodes I solely mean, it on It is these. so, I just think, and I put myself at the front of the line with this, I'm ashamed with what little I know about it. Me too, yeah. I mean, I, but I, I, I only learned about Lawrence from the John Maggio movies. I would have never had any, I mean, I knew, I knew the, the Shirtwaist Factory because I live in New York, but Lawrence, Massachusetts, I com- was completely new chapter to me. And for me to watch four hours on the Italian-American story and find things that I didn't know about was a huge testament to John Maggio and the team behind those documentaries and Maria Lorino, but also what, what a, I mean, it just takes you down a, a rabbit hole, a wiki hole, if you will, of new stuff. Uh, I had no idea. I think a big part of it has to do with we don't, um, Americans don't seem to connect with their history now as much as maybe they did at one time. I, I don't, and maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. I'm I inaccurate to say it was a. I feel like nowadays, particularly like the post Howard Zinn, quote unquote, common man approach to history that's become part of the historiography, this kind of stuff should be far more known because we are taking a more social approach to history. And the, these labor movements, you know, like we're out of the Cold War for 30 years at this point. So these labor movements that probably smelled a little too close to socialism, communism back in the day, they're able to be appraised with different eyes. And what a great time for Italian-Americans as we explore our history multiple generations removed to go back and to dig into these things. I mean, it's fascinating. It's important. It's led us to who we are as a country. And there's lessons for today in this, you know? It's just like, I mean, if you think of, like, say, Manhattan, like Little Italy, which was before it was Little Italy, it was the Five Points. And in the years following the American Civil War, things like milk being contaminated, oh, non-pasteurized yeah. milk being contaminated with things like chalk and plaster and stuff to make the milk stretchy, dying children being part of everyday life. I mean, it's so far removed yeah. from today's experience. I mean, the fact that you can go into a reputable supermarket, pick up a gallon of milk that's been supervised by governmental agencies to, to ensure... The, the quality, quality, and 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 to protect our health, and you can just pick it up, and and it's basically like these little guardian angels, meaning the feds and refrigerated trucks and supermarkets, guarding this. And all you really have to do is get in your car, drive down there, pick up the gallon of milk, or walk whatever how you ever get there, pay for your milk, and go home. Yeah, and put it in your refrigerator that you've set at thirty eight degrees, which is the perfect temperature for like storing your milk. And I just it's um. We live a life that would have been a fantasy to these people. Yeah, and and I think that. But it, they paid for it. See, my underlying thing is that it wasn't like the world kind of uh, won a lottery. Yeah, you know, these people had horrible things like the the Triangle Factory fire, like you know what happened in Lowell. They paid that. They paid the price. Absolutely, yeah, good point. And we've gotten the, the dividend. Yeah, and our, we we've we've raised a generation of kids that, as a system, we have not taught them. Our educational system has not told them that it's a quid pro quo. They did this, and therefore you have that. It's funny. I, I, that's part of the reason I wanted us to talk about this stuff 
even briefly today because as I was thinking about the holiday coming up, I said to myself, you know, it's easy to understand Fourth of July and Memorial Day and Veterans Day and, you know, war, unfortunately, is a better packaged story sometimes. You know, it's got a beginning and an end and I, 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 it's got heroes. But can I jump in with Fourth of July? Yeah, yeah. I detest the, the idea of, of um, you know, the, the way today people are being put into categories of color and race, and it's, it's, it's almost like... Um, identity politics. Identity politics. You know, I, I don't want to play the identity politics card with this, but if you take the opposition to the org- American organized labor was from the WASP establishment, it was a threatening concept to them. A lot of times they were the owners of industry, yeah. and they felt like, you know, these peasants from these uh, backward... European nations, these uh, superstitious medieval thinking countries, they should kind of be happy that we in this free Anglo-Saxon paradise have allowed them to come and to share into our prosperity. It was the white Anglo-Saxon establishment was kind of the flag of opposition to organized labor, which was very much a European ethnic project. Not totally. That, That wouldn't be fair. But a lot of it was, you know, that's why organized labor started out you know, having to, you know, have their literature and their speeches in Italian and in Yiddish and, you know, yeah. for their workers. But the the WASP establishment takes total ownership of the 4th of July because they birthed it. Yeah. It was kind of like the coming together of everything they wanted was when they broke away from superstitious medieval Europe. Yeah. And the WASP establishment in 1776 came up with a, with, with between 1776, let's say, the Declaration of Independence and 1787, the, the Constitution. They came up with this this um, neat mythology. This new, this yeah, whole new system, yeah. right? And they take they take ownership because they're kind of proud of it. Yeah, they don't really take ownership for something like Labor Day and organized labor because that was the culture that kind of opposed it. Yeah, it's true. And that's why I think it doesn't have the same. It's just and it's not the romance. Well, you, that's what I'm saying. Even like Veterans Day, Memorial Day, war, unfortunately, is easy to romanticize because it's 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 a narrative in many cases, and this is a different narrative. And I and I. I sort of was disappointed in myself because obviously I've celebrated Labor Day my whole life as the end of summer and, you know, mom's putting away her white pants. And here I am all these years later. That is such a dated, think about that. Yeah, you're right. So that many people anymore. here won't you get wear white whenever you want, I know. You I could only wear, I, we, we grew up in a world where you could wear white between Memorial <laughs> Day and Labor Day. <laughs> it's true. Even tuxedo jackets went white. Yeah, it's true. I have one. I love that one. So if you're a super millennial, you just learned something. That's right. But those white maybe pants the millennials will bring it back. They'll, maybe they'll yeah, start. They probably it's cultural yeah. if we tell them that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I, I was disappointed that I didn't know more about this, and I guess I see everything through the lens of Italian American. That's what happens when you are a professional Italian American, I think. But but getting back to the Italian American take on this, think of how organized labor is portrayed, right? Oh, it's married to the mafia. Yeah. Um, so okay, corrupt mafiosa and corrupt union leaders and. That's so much of the popular narrative today. And things like triangle waste, waste I always say that. Shirt waste, I always say it better. Shirt waste fire, you know, that's kind of, it's, it's, it's not remembered. Yeah, but it you know, and it deserves to but, be. And it, but another, another kudos to the United States is the fact that we come from a country where we could go from something like the triangle fire to... OSHA and, and, and safety regulations in the workplace and protecting workers and fire exits. Absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of like when Ameri- America's really good at that. Yes. We, we, we have a, an ability to 
build on our failures, I think, sometimes. I mean, look, there's plenty of failures in the country that we haven't built on yet. I mean, look at why the Mediterranean diet was attacked by the WASP establishment in the 1880s and 90s. I mean, their mentality was these poor Italians are feeding their kids all these green vegetables. How are they ever going to be big and strong? Yes, true. Stop eating all that. She's got all of a sudden eating a steak. You need more milk and steak. It's true. And then you try and tell an Italian lady that you got to give your kid a glass of cow's milk with a steak. Yes, I know. That's but I mean, it was well intentioned. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Even in their prejudice, even in their condescension. Yeah, think about like and Henry. Ford. Not all time was many times was. Yeah, well intended. Well yeah. intended. I, Henry, I, we're going down to Henry Ford. No, I can't. We don't have it. Don't have have Henry the Ford, if you guys don't know Henry, Henry Ford's a lot of stuff. Yeah, Henry Ford was sending people into giant fake pots and dressing them as uh, taking off their ethnic clothes and putting on their American clothes. It's, it's Henry Ford. Yeah, Henry Henry Ford's a complicated character. Yeah, not for not for. Th- I want to go to the feast. Italians don't think that. Hard. I mean, not that we don't think that. We just couldn't be bothered. No, no, we're not. We'd be like having lunch. Like, we're not evangelical. We we don't have that in us. We're no, we we're like Saint Francis. We preach the gospel through actions. <laughs> it's like you want to be like us. We're fat and happy and eat and drink. <laughs> that's true. Join our happy club and uh, become fat and happy and true. eat and drink. That's really true. And what I what I love about Lodi is it all comes together because Italy. This is feast season in Italy. Big time. Today's the and feast in Latronico, my great Latronico, Santa Gidia, right? Yeah. And get back to our earlier part of the discussion. There's multiple feasts, right? A lot of towns in Italy have this feast day, which the which is on the church calendar, and they have a particular feast day. It might be the day a miracle was done in their town. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think it was. I have to remember. There's a town. I was actually at the mass when I was in Sorrento uh, at one time. Um, the town was spared Spanish influenza, so all the towns around them had many many deaths from the Spanish influenza. No one died in the town, and they made a vow at one point. So I think Marona de la Grazia is the patroness of the town. That's July 2nd. But they also have a, a an actual procession to commemorate when they were basically spared the Spanish influenza. But the reason I'm bringing it up is that a lot of towns in Italy have a, a date that they celebrate, which no one else celebrates, when uh, when the town has a va- made a vow to a particular saint who was their patron. A miracle happened in the, in the particular town on that day. And so they kind of have like these floating holidays. And Italy being Italy, a lot of them fall in a great time during August. <laughs> so there's a lot of towns in Italy like, well, okay, well, we celebrate, you know, St. Lucy in December, and then we also celebrate her in, like, August. Yeah. Right? Uh, and it's also feast time in Italy. So, yeah. And so when you have people bringing that tradition here to the United States, now you have St. Joseph on Labor Day weekend, and in Italy it's August. It's the exact time you want to have a feast and a procession of St. Joseph. Yes, yeah, true. Which probably with Santa Rosalia, you know, even more so than Santa Rosalia, is probably kind of like the patron saint of Sicily. Definitely. I think historically, yeah. Historically. Yeah. Uh, Santa Rosalie is very much a Palermo Yeah, and thing. then Santa Agata. Santa Agata and Catan, right. Yeah. So if you take that in, they in Lodi have their Sicilian St. Joseph feast in August on Labor Day weekend with the procession on Labor Day. It's amazing. And it? so you're taking a Sicilian tradition and you're making it work in America because Italians are like, oh, it's Labor Day, what do I do? Yes, yeah, true. You know, when the immigrants came here, Rome was pushing you, St. Joseph, on the day you celebrate labor in your country. And they put St. Joseph's Day in Lodi as Labor Day, as the American holiday Labor Day. And, I, and the, the reason why I love these discussions is the Italians are really good 
at taking something and attacking the phone. Yes, that's true. Not not in a not in a in a pejorative sense. No, not at all. They yeah. they ameliorate. They adapt to what's uh, what's in front of them. And what's the what's the greatest trophy? The tomato. Yeah, it's true. You we got the tomato, that. and we made it, the tomato is what it is today, thanks to the south of Italy. Absolutely, yeah. Tomato would be like a kumquat, <laughs> right? Kumquat, kumquat. Yeah. Who? No one would even know. What's it's that true. red kind yeah, of? If it wasn't for Italians, people around the world would be like, "Oh, that's that red strange." It thing. is part of the, the nightshade family, right? I mean, it's it's like a, it's not yeah, even they, really they favorable brought it to the south of, of Italy, yeah. and then we made it what it is today. Definitely, that is true. And We're so, the Italians in Lodi took Labor Day. And turned into a Sicilian holiday. They added ethnicity. They added religion. Not an Italian holiday, mind you. How long has this been? This feast been going on? Hundred years, I think. Wow, it's a long time. But they have like what I love about what I I want I want to make a guide to Lodi. Matter of fact, the Italian pastry shops in the Garfield Lodi area they make some really really Sicilian pastries that I have never seen anywhere else. You're making me hungry. I can't they wait. Na- to I, I'm uh, gonna throw the um, headset down and go eat. They make a. I think Macule. When is Ma- Anthony show you? Tony, the famous Tony Manja is the world's expert. He sure is. Loaded at Garfield, uh, Saddlebrook, Hackensack, uh, Italian pastries. But uh, one is Macule. One of them sounds like Nies and Nies. I know what they look like. I point. Wow, I never heard of them. It's like a. It's like a, a donut with a crunchy outside and it's stuffed with ricotta cream. Oh. It is like the greatest. Are they going to be open when we're done recording? I'm I starving. I, 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 to be around those places, you've got to have a lot of self-control. Listen, don't go running out now because I'm going to hopefully put up, if you go to the, what do we have, a web page? What do we have? Yes, website? we do. Yeah. I'm not a tech guy. But yeah, no. You, you've the never website, seen it. Go, go to wherever our thing is, <laughs> and then, because some of those places, they're like. I'll put them on the show, on the episode like, wha- page. They're wows. And the reason is because they had a very recent immigration that a lot of people that came in the 70s, 60s, 50s, and 70s. And up until recently, I mean, it's still a Sicilian flavor there, but they were Sicilian towns. Yeah. And because you had a very strong Sicilian immigrant population, the expectations of places like local bakeries were very high. Yeah, sure, of course. So that's why even Saddle, uh, I think Marie's in Saddlebrook makes a lot of traditional Sicilian stuff. Uh, Venice Bakery in Garfield, I mean, they're wow. Like if you're somewhere, wherever you are and out there in podcast land, they used to say radio land, but I guess we don't say that anymore. Podcast, podcast land now, baby. Podcast land. If you and your significant other have nothing to do one Saturday, come shopping. And you're happy, I. and you're happy of like being covered in powdered sugar around <laughs> each other. <laughs> That's what makes you and happy. Like you know, like join the club. Like donut crumbs all over you, and like got cream like all over your lips. A place to go is Lodi. Nicole and I used to get these Sicilian graffe donuts. They're like the big, big. They're not Sicilian. They're not Sicilian graffe, no. 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 They're big That's in Catania. Because they t- they took uh, them from Campania. Uh, no, they because they're made from potatoes. <laughs> Sicilians are not potatoes. I'm not. People. I'm not from uh, Catania, no, so I, I, I can't Sicilian, defend listen, the donut. That's the actual St. Joseph's Apple of the Cilento. Is that right? Yes. They're delicious. Those are delicious. But anyway, we we definitely have some meeting to do. Sicily has a, a lot, minutes. but yeah. they don't, the graffa is not. They do Sicilian. sweets better than anybody, though. Come on, the Sicilians do sweets. Uh, that, that's not fair to Campania. Oh come on. I mean, I love Campania. I have I have roots in Campania I don't, too. But I don't. Si- nobody does sugar like the Sicilians. Well, hold on a minute. Sugar and desserts are two separate things. D- you know what I'm saying? Sweet. Sicilians are very good with the aesthetic. They're an aesthetic people. Yeah. And you are an aesthetic person. I know yeah, you personally that you're an artist and you like Campania. It looks good, but it tastes even better. Yeah, but I I don't know. I, I think Sicilian dessert. I mean, not yeah, to you're be a contender. The, the you're cannoli a, you're, you're has a, to be the king of all pastries. Oh come on! I mean, it's it is a king. 
what do you say competes with it? A Sviedel, 100%. I love a good Sviedel. I mean, Sviedel Marie in Naples. Yeah, but you do ben, the, here, we all know you plug. do Ben Sicilian. You yeah, do, I do you Ben Sicilian, Sicilian. I, I do. I, my, my, my culinary taste is Ben Sicilian. No, I, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not beating up on Sicily <laughs> in support of Campania, even though I'm, I'm prejudiced for Campania. Yeah. We all know. My Italian side, it's like you're from one region, Campania. And I was like, thank you, God. Like, that's uh, all. I don't need to be from anywhere else. Yeah, it's true. But, um, no, Sicilians can stand toe-to-toe with Neapolitans. They're not going to beat us. We have the Barbarone. We have the Sfira. We have Bastida. I mean, come on. I First and foremost, this, let's, this let's conversation is off topic, but I can't even, there's no I can't even listen, that's not engage true. you on this there's because no. this, there's so much bias not even coming through. Like, I, yeah, listen, there's no such thing as being off topic in an Italian <laughs> conversation because there's no on-topic Italian that's conversation. That's true. If, you, if you've been listening for a while, you know that by now. No, but listen, I stand. I tip my hat. You go to Lodi. I will tip my hat at, and listen, you know I got a weakness for the Casado. <laughs> That's true. I should do commercials for Rosa. <laughs> the supermarket, La Bella Marketplace has a fantastic We told them casata, that like an episode or two casata, ago. refrigerated Casata from yeah. Sicily. Yeah. If I could have gotten a Mack truck and brought them home, I only have four freezers. See? They were phenomenal. Would I, they compete for the freezer space with the Sfidel? Yeah, I, I guess If you were to take one pastry to an island, it'd be Sfidel? No, probably Casata. So there you go. That's the end of the conversation. You just but you you solved it yourself. But that's me. I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to pin my own personal. We're going to poll. All right, I'm going to I'm going to put a poll up on all of our social. But do you media know what? No, Baba. I might take a Baba. A Baba's a. Con- oh, I'm I hate Baba. It's my least favorite. You, but you hate Casata and you hate. But you don't like alcohol infused. Yeah, I don't like alcohol infused stuff. I really oh, don't. Oh, that's Campania. That's because you lean to love the Baba. He, my father, we he, we call them Italian Twinkies. Uh, the Baba might beat the Casata. Oh gosh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. Some people just don't. I ha- I hate bananas. You know I what mean, my favorite happens. thing is? Honestly, my favorite Sicilian dessert is the Jello, the watermelon and Again, cinnamon. Because you you yeah. you bend Sicilian. Yeah, I love that. And it's, you, know, you know why it's so Sicilian? Because it's all about presentation. Like the Jello. I mean, sometimes when we talk about stuff, maybe because we've been there a lot, maybe a lot of people who listen haven't had the same yeah. experience to see a lot of these things. The Jello is a gelatin mm-hmm. made from fruit, sometimes from watermelon. Mostly, yeah, watermelon. Cinnamon is one of my favorites. They of make course, because yeah, it's I, Sicilian. I, I love you know, cinnamon. cinnamon. It's, it reminds that us that. That accuses me. I put go back farther. You no, know, that's that's the Arab. That's the Arab wedding <laughs> yeah. ring that that's stays on the finger true. of Sicily, right? Well said. Cinnamon. Um, but they make these beautiful jellos out of. Fr- it's basically fruit puree, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of sugar and gelatin. Yep. And they mold them. That's yeah, where beautiful. the Sicilians are Sicilian. They're, they're they mold them because they're beautiful. Because the aesthetic is so important to the Sicilian consciousness. And sometimes you can get them in, in torta, too. So, like, a real uh, pastafrola shell with the watermelon jello is, like, one of my favorite things in the world. I want to make it. I'm not very good at making it, but I would like to perfect that. That's, like, one of my top desserts. You know, you f- you 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 can be in love with a cassata, but you live every day with a sphere. <laughs> Casata's like your gumad. Casata's the gumad. I'll tell you what, Casata's the gumad. I'm here thinking about it. Casata's the gumad because Casata, it's intense. And you can't handle it every day. It's too intense. You couldn't couldn't have Casata every day because you'd wind up like in a hospital. You could eat a Sfidel every day. Yeah. With a cappuccino in Naples, hot, with the powdered sugar, a little bit melted all over your face. (laughs) If you've listened this far... Off of topic of Labor Day, I want to give you a tip. How, from, from but, how is this an but, on top but, again? <laughs> no, but I want to. If you're if you don't get this, then you're not really Italian. No, if you think I that think this is realizes. not a clear, 
if this is not a clear mental roadmap <laughs> to you, then maybe you're not part of the tribe. You should question who you are. Because well, to an Italian, starting out with Labor Day and ending up with cake as a <laughs> food as a conversation. It's so true. If this makes sense to you, <laughs> so you're one of us. Welcome true. to the family. Oh, uh, let me say you've to, earned to the a Terry tip. Gross people, <laughs> fresh air. I heard the other day. They think we're psychotic. <laughs> That's why you should stop listening. You're not one of us. Go. <laughs> well, it's for your own. It's just for your own good, your own benefit. For the tribe men that are here, for the tribe members that are here right now, here's a tip from Pat and I. This is a finely honed travel tip. When you're in Naples, if you're in the Galleria Umberto, which is right across from the it's San Carlo Opera It's worth the plane house, ride for this Fiat. Yeah, Fiat del Marie, Mary. Uh, I think it, it actually goes by Fiat del Mary. I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably the best I've ever had in my life. That that is a place where. You go, they're hot and fresh. They're always coming out of the oven and probably could do four of them. I mean, it's just, they're just so good. So if you're you going could. to Naples. You could eat yourself, yeah. to, de- you de- eat yourself to death. But that's why, sh- that's why Sfiatel is the wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. In the, some days you're tired of it. It's ah, another Sfiatel. Some days you miss it if you haven't had it. It's Sfiatel. The, the casada. Yeah, you're right. If you that's overdose on the well cassada, you're going to die. <laughs> that's very well. So cassada is takumada. is a little dangerous. You're Kassata's playing with fire. Dangerous. That would be a great cassada commercial. Cassada <laughs> akumada. I can't even stop. Why does anybody go All I know there? is you I'm starving. I don't know how I got conned into this uh, again. It's just, this is, these are the conversations no, we have No, because people talk on Facebook, so I know people listen. Yeah. This is just us putting microphones in front of ourselves. This is These are normal conversations These we have. are the people in but your I, neighborhood. This is our neighborhood. In and speaking of, if you're out there, I want to thank everybody out there who supports us in the new neighborhood. And if you visit us at www.italianamericanpodcast.com, you too can sign up to support the show and become a member of the new neighborhood. Join us in our Facebook group. You can join us on our quarterly calls. We talk about all different topics. As a matter of fact, we've got a... Uh, one coming up right now. We're going to talk about the Italian elections. And speaking of the Italian elections, an update for those of you who listened to last week's show. When we concluded last week's episode, there was uh, a little bit less direction, but we, we kind of touched on looks like the PD and the uh, Five Star Movement are going to join together and form a government, but then the Five Star Movement started putting some roadblocks in the way. So uh, as of this morning, I haven't seen anything else, but I'll check again tonight. They should give the Rotten Tomatoes also at each other. Yeah, they, really the should. Parliament they should start throwing tomatoes. They would never, because they all have really expensive, nice. They get in the fist fights. So I mean, you ever watch the videos of the fist fights in the Italian Parliament? It's like it's like prize fighting. It's un- It's like WWE. Don't they get a free gelato like lifetime? Yeah, they get all kinds of stuff lifetime. Free the gelato thing's kind of cool. Yeah. I would be like, wow. My famous Giolitis is down the street. That's another great travel. Yeah, but tip. they got pin- um, they got that's like Pinoli not paradise. You know, yeah, yeah, you're being. John loves to go there for yeah. for gelato, and yeah. I can't eat it because I have a pineapple allergy. Somebody, like somebody, a friend of mine was asking me, uh, a non-Italian friend was asking me last night for recommendations in Rome. She said, "Where's the best gelato?" I said, "It's Giolitti's. There'll be twenty different articles in <laughs> travel, leisure, condo, nest. They'll tell you these new hip places. I like a place. I have a personal place that I like off of Fontana di Trevi, See? but I'm not giving that away. But I said something about how great it was, and you know, even though there's always new recommendations and people giving you different stuff and what's hip and what's fashionable, it's the best place by far. And she said, you know, that's like the Peter Luger of gelato. And I said, you're absolutely right. It's like Peter Luger's best steak she in the world. She's Italian or an American? She's American from Brooklyn, but she knew Peter Luger's was like the standard. That's like the yeah. s- that's the most Brooklyn comment I've ever heard. <laughs> Come on, I'm not gonna fight it's, with it's you. It's the Peter Luke. No. no, I'm just saying <laughs> it is, it is a great. I mean, only if you're, that's such a New York. Yeah. If you're not from, this is where we go, New York Central. Yeah, no, we got to get off of it. But uh, I mean, we're, we're gonna go enjoy this. Why feast. go to Why go to New York when you go to Lodi? Well, we're about to. You'll eat better in Lodi. We're about to eat really well. What a great way to celebrate uh, Labor Day weekend. I mean, it combines everything we love: a feast, patriotism, everything. You the know nation. What? We're an outdoor people. Yeah, that's true. We are an outdoor. We people. can't. You know, know what's so impressed me? Like, if you go to like really rural southern Italy, 
Like, I have so many strong memories of my American childhood with my grandma and her friends sitting out in the summer. Absolutely. So if you took from, like, May to, I would say, like, early October, they sat out every night. Yep. Every single solitary night. Yep. After they were done doing dishes, they had dinner, did dishes, and the women all went outside. Who sat on the stoop? Who sat on a beach chair? Yep, a lot of beach chairs. And I don't know what they talked about. I mean, there was no, there was only three channels at the time, so if it was either that or reruns. <laughs> That's true. Like Merv Griffin and, you know. <laughs> And sure. they sat there, and they just talked. And, like, who knitted, who crocheted, yeah. and they just hung out. And then I was in Castaneda, which is part of San Mago, and I noticed in front of the buildings, Cesar Chimento has them too, they're stone, like, benches Yeah. built in to the front of the houses. I mean, these are houses hundreds yeah, of years sure. old. And I was like, wow, they built in a stoop. So even if it's a street-level building where you wouldn't have the stairs to sit on. They have seating. They have outdoor seating yeah. to sit out and knit and crochet or just hang out. And I was like, this really is in our DNA. Yes, this is sure who is. we are. Yep. We are outdoor people. So, you know, the feast is such a manifestation of that, you know. Especially the feast that were weeks long. Like, uh, well, we, we went to celebrate uh, my feast, which is Our Lady of the Snow, which really now is, you know, it's, it's, it's on for a couple of weeks in our neighborhood in Brooklyn, my, my, my grandmother's family's feast. But it's really one day. Everybody gets together August 5th. And... Pat came with us as did some of our other buddies and spent some time with my family and my dad's cousin, Rosemary, who I'm pretty close to, was you know, she's one of the older cousins and was sharing what it used to be like and she was recalling all these other feasts that existed throughout the season in the neighborhood that were week long and they would come out and like, you know, it, it, different streets and the whole neighborhood would gather around them and you'd, you'd go out every night for it. Like you wouldn't miss a night, you know, that, and it, it's such an occasion. So I'm really looking forward to spending some time and getting some of the sights and sounds of this feast because there's such an underappreciated aspect. I curse the 80s a lot, the Golden Girl 80s, because yeah. those years, because I think there was a undercurrent of our Italian-American culture within ourselves of I've moved into suburbia. I don't well, – there's not 30 of us, thank God, having macaroni on a Sunday anymore. Who really needed that? There was, a, there was an attack almost on who we were. Yeah. In a lot of places, it was like the finalization of we have arrived. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not – you know, we're respectable now. And I think the feasts were broken up because it was considered kind of like a peasant activity. So mom, mom hung, hangs out in front of the stoop with her house dress on because she doesn't have air conditioning. If she does one, it's a box one hanging out the window. I have a nice, beautiful suburban house for Central Air. And the idea of celebrating the streets, it became too embarrassing for us. Yeah. Right? Because waspy America didn't do that. You know, even like other ethnicities, that really, there's so much of who we were. I know we'll be doing multiple. We do, we had, there's a lot of feast experts because it's part of the communal culture. Yeah, big time. You know, you sat in front of your stoop and the feasts would be on different blocks because different blocks would be inhabited by different colonies, right? And then if you were hanging on the stoop, then you'd say, oh, you know, you were bored. You'd get up. You'd walk down to the feast. And then, you know, it was it – was, they were very simple setups. It wasn't the fancy kind of um, – Carnival. Carnival-type, like, yeah. uh, trucks that you see yeah. today. Like, I guess you'd say food-type trucks. Yeah. And it really was a neighborhood person taking what they were really good at cooking in their kitchen, cooking on the street and selling it and somebody buying it. I love that. I love when a, a good procession in an old neighborhood where there's still some old timers putting out food and cookies and things. And It's know. an ongoing party. Yeah. Yeah, it's an ongoing party. And the whole summer, if you spent the summer in Italy, if you spent an August in Italy, you realize that August in Italy is a, a continuing party. Yes, yeah, so you can go to feast every night. So everybody's at the beach during the day. They come home, take a shower. And if their town doesn't have a feast or a saga, a saga is what you call a food festival mm -hmm. here, 
everywhere around you has one, you're never home. Yeah. And you're always out with people. That's why I think it's a healthier, you know, so many of the of the chemical dependency issues, you know, the opioid crisis, suicide in this country, so much of it stems from social isolation. Yeah. It's very hu- it's very hard to be isolated in Italy. You got to work at it. It's true. And dude. I think it was part of our culture here because you were on the streets, and if the, the feast wasn't going on in, on your block, you know, you're tired of hanging out with your friends on the stoop. You take a walk over, and you send some. You know, what was the big thing? Sending someone to get a bag of Zappos. Yeah. I, I think that a part of doing this show is really the service of spreading the word about these things, letting people know they're out there. You may live not far from where one of these feasts is, and you may not know what's going on. And it, it is something that we, you know, they're endangered species. So we're gonna go out and this enjoy. Is deep. We're, yeah, we're gonna go out and enjoy. You're really hungry. I never I'm see starving. you hungry like this. I, I'm. I don't want to miss a feast. I don't want to miss a feast. I'm, I. I. I wait for these things. You know, you don't get to go to them all the time. I'm. I'm pumped. Imagine if we lived. Uh, t- for all you guys in the, who don't live in these air, like an area like ours, we're oh. going out for you tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> this stuff's all over the New York metro yeah. area. we're gonna enjoy it for you tonight. You can eat. Drink we're gonna here. report back. I know this is a little bit of a mixed up episode, but. How does it make I still don't understand. You have this this obsession. You have the NPR ghost hovers over you. Yeah, I probably do. I have a lot of guilt. We have to be there. <laughs> we have to make sense. You should. When this all started, they beat me up. For all you those of you out there, they I was I was like. <laughs> you got to get your your weekly. Dolores was yelling at me, me John. I couldn't interrupt people. They wanted to give me like, like a little buzzer, a little light that we would go did off try to give him a buzzer actually. Well, I remember I tried to do the clock. It was they, the and they just they wanted to be Medigans. <laughs> they wanted to be Medigans. That's in my well, book. I just I hope that everybody sees the nice big. You know what I decided yesterday? We 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 got a. It's like car talk. That's yeah. like our patron saint. That's true. I actually and they're Italian. Those two guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is, I think this is this is the same, but they're from Boston. Yeah. One had one has passed away. Speaking of Boston, so I I've never been to Regina Pizza. Have you been to Regina Pizza? In no. Boston, we got to make a road trip up there. Apparently, we're plugging a lot of people. We are. Pl- not, I never have. I'm not even going to. F- but you know, water if I go up there, <laughs> you know, I'm obsessed with my collection. Apparently, the original sign from the building is for sale because it got broken in the storm, and I'm like salivating over this thing. I'm dying. You should buy it. I'm dying to have it, like in our studio. Tell your wife it's going into the living room. <laughs> yes, she killed me. Please. You know how many big metal Italian signs? Anybody out there who f- finds a large vintage metal sign or porcelain sign or wooden sign, hand painted Italian? Call me. I'll buy it. I'll make a great price. My poor wife. I got so many of them, that, and they're huge too. That's why you need a museum. I need a museum. That's where you a warehouse. Seek. One of these days, if I get what I want, we're just going to be in a giant warehouse with all my stuff, recording these shows, <laughs> like a little kitchenette, a little stove for the mugginette, and then just. We had a conversation that we don't have a coffee machine. Yeah, we got to have a coffee machine. Oh, I want to have a studio. Speaking with, with of Suprasad and Gazakavah, we're working on that. We, got, we we're, we're we're working on. And people can come and take a uh, I take a commemorative Gazakavah. Yeah, that's what we want to give our guests. Stand, you could brand the Gazakavah yeah. with the emblem of the show. That's what I want. That's like a dream. Well, we are working on the studio. I hope everybody can hear a little bit better sound quality because the studio is not built out, and obviously we're in Lodi, but the equipment is mobile, and we have all new equipment that we've just just invested. It in looks serious. It's very serious. I'm taking this like much more serious. John gave me all this equipment. I feel like I'm in the 1990s <laughs> radio talk show. Remember, they would have all yeah. those the heads. They got the headsets, headsets on now. So if you hear the sound quality better, I know for years we've heard that the sound quality needs to be improved, and we really have been working on it. So hopefully, this is. We like have the, the light that says live on the air. Oh, absolutely, we will. Yeah. And even though it doesn't matter to us, I just want to like it's make true. sure you feel like we can we're edit. actually doing something. Yeah, we do. I have the little one <laughs> we can use, but I think once the soundproofing is done and uh, 
I, I think it's going to be right, right about perfect. So hopefully you hear a big difference here and uh, you've enjoyed this week. We'll keep and you if posted. you don't, you write a letter. I'll never see it. That's Pat won't get him. Don't worry they, about they, that. It's like censored. It's nope, like he's not seeing nothing. Keep the letters away from yeah. Igor. I won't even let him see the good ones anymore. I uh, never saw a good one. I've true. never seen any letter. You get the Facebook stuff. You've seen on Facebook. Some. Yeah. Some compliments. It's nice to see. Oh, the, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure there's like wonderful letters. If I've you haven't signed up for the new neighborhood, definitely worth doing. Just interact with Pat because you are like the mayor of the new neighborhood. You're answering questions. It's I, a like, lot. I, I like. I like. It's a fun crowd. It is a fun crowd. It's a really They're fun really crowd. wonderful people. And it's again, a, nice a big thank you to all. We've the made people friends. Out there. We have. We've made yeah. a lot of friends. Out We've made there. neighbors. That's exactly what We've it's been intended to be. It's the new Rosetto. That's what I call it, the new Rosetto. You don't know how many it's days. It's the virtual Rosetto. I walk around so many days, and something will frustrate me about the wider society, and I think to myself, when are we going to turn this virtual neighborhood into a real one? Just find a town. We'll be on each over. other's nerves. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, though. Well, if you're not in the new neighborhood, you should be because it's a great place to be. A lot of great conversation going on in there, following up on these shows and other topics that are not on the air. So thanks for listening. We'll keep you posted on uh, everything coming up in Italy. By the next time we take Italy, we'll probably have seven more governments. Yeah, probably. There'll be something. But as of now, How many you want to predict? Five more governments? We're going to be together next week. PD is going to walk away from Sequestella. Here's the bet. You think think they'll call an election? By next week, I no. say no, no way. I that think would, we'll be in the same. Be, that would just be a, that would just be like two Anglo-Saxon. Would make makes sense. It's been Northern what, European. Uh, August twentieth, so it's been uh, ten days. I mean, they, they keep extending the chance. The PD, the PD Cinquecento deal might fall through, and Five Star might come in with four star, and Conti might still be the. No, no. Fi- uh, the now they now. Uh, Lega said they will not work with Forza Italia. They will not form a uh, government with them. I mean, not that they have the numbers. How much but you want to bet? I mean, I get you. But Conti might still be prime minister. I, I mean, guys holding out. It, it's just for me, the entertainment value is there, so I don't mind. See it, the beautiful thing in Italy. No matter what, you still eat well. And here in Lodi, we're eating well tonight. So, thanks for listening. Why do people? We'll be back listen? with you next week. Why do you uh, send an email so I don't see it? Why do you, you listen? Off. I, I can lower you. It's like being now in I Russia. can lower you now. You cannot. I, I can. I, this new they control. I can just turn you, you down. Let me see if speak. I can turn you down. Is this, uh, you're gone now? I hope so. See that you're born an Italian. If you want your life to be great, see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano and.